When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up. Get your sorry ass up. Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. I ain't never seen, I ain't never seen you before, huh? Man, go tell the coach you need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go, let's go. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts that are associated with this network, some of which are the likes of Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons, and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio. Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. You can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Fantasy Football Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have the best stats in the industry and some of the best college football stats in the industry as well, which are extremely hard to find. If you follow me on Twitter and you see a lot of the college football stuff I post, I get all of my stuff exclusively from them. They are the top stats. They also have NFL and baseball stats as well with basketball stats on the way. Yearly memberships cost just $15. You can get access to all of these stats. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you get 10% off of that as well. One of, if not the best deals in the industry. Check it out if you are into stats and want to get an edge on the competition in your fantasy football leagues. I would suggest it. Again, my one of my favorite sites to use. Stats are the best, and especially college football stuff, which are extremely Hard to find. So it is Friday. It means we are doing a a full breakdown of the week 10. It's already week 10, which is just ridiculous. But we're doing a breakdown of all the games for week 10. It is Dennis' son's birthday today, so it is just me running solo. Wish all of... uh, you know, him a, a happy birthday and hope that Dennis and his son have a great time. Felt uh, it's it's more time or it's more important to spend time with family. So Dennis is doing that. He'll be back next week. No worries about that. It's, uh, you know, just be me solo, which is always a fun episode. Uh, remember having to do this all the time by myself uh, last season. It can always, uh, always be a good time. Still going to give you just a quick rundown of everything, every game. I'll do a pick them and then give you guys kind of the stats and everything of where I stand on the teams as I usually do, but of course, before we can break down everything else going on on Sunday and the Monday night football games on Week 10, let's talk about what happened on this Week 10 kickoff game here Thursday night between the Oakland Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone! Alright, 
so probably the last game in the black hole for the Oakland Raiders, and they win, they get a win here, 26-24 over the Chargers, and big win for them as well as they stay in the playoff hunt for the 2019 season. I mean, it's just ridiculous what the, what the Raiders have done in a year. Everybody kind of making fun of them last year for trading away uh, Khalil Mack. You get Amari Cooper leaves, all the, the nonsense with Antonio Brown this season, and now they are in the legitimately in the playoff hunt sitting at 5-4. and four. We'll start with the Chargers on the Chargers here side here. So Philip Rivers, 17-31, and 31, 207 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions in this one. Uh, to get you about 18.53 points. It's not a horrible day, but not a great day for Rivers. Melvin Gordon comes through for you, 108 yards on 22 carries and a touchdown. Does add a 25-yard catch to get you 20.3 points. Uh, and, and really, well, Keenan Allen comes through for you, I would say. 68 yards on eight catches. Mike Williams just 55 yards on two. Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler also as well. So if you played everybody outside of Mike Williams, I think they came through for you. Henry, 30 yards, four catches, and a touchdown. Eckler, 29 yards on two catches and a touchdown as well as 19 yards on six carries. So Eckler coming in and getting you 12.8 points. You got Keenan now with 18.10, again with the 68 yards on eight catches. Hunter Henry still a legit and top tight end here, but just 14.5 points. Obviously would have hoped for better, but still a pretty good day for him at tight end. Really, I would say probably on the Chargers side, just Mike Williams with a low day here with 8.2 points. On the Raiders side, I was forced to start Derek Carr, as many of you heard there at the end of the podcast uh, from Thursday. I was a little scared about it. It comes through for the most part, 218 yards, one touchdown. Zero interception, just a four-yard run, 21 of 31. Uh, coming in here with 20.37 points. Josh Jacobs, 71 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown. Uh, adds about 30 yards, not about, adds 30 yards on three catches to come in at 19.1 points. And that is, well, really it. Hunter Renfro, 42 yards, four catches. Jalen Richard, 43 yards on four catches. Waller the baller, 40 yards on three catches. Tyrell Williams, 25 yards on three catches. So nobody does much of anything on the Raiders' side here. And I kind of talked about it with Waller. I think he's probably the most disappointing. I talked about it uh, on Thursday's episode that he's kind of a sell high for me. He's really been over the past few weeks kind of moving or declining a little bit i don't necessarily know that i see it bouncing back up they they we all know they want to run through jacobs and i just feel like this is the way the team's gonna be there they seem to be focusing more on hunter renfro a little bit in the passing game i'm worried foster moreau has been getting a little bit more of an uptick as well i'm, I'm seriously worried about waller i'm worried about tyrell because they're just gonna do whatever it takes to win and i don't know if that means forcing the ball to darren waller like we had seen in the past if you can still sell high on him, I would, but I think it's going to be a little bit harder now with this I'll be this being his third, fourth bad week in a row. Jacobs continues to impress me. Looks like I really was wrong on him, which is not easy to admit, uh, but he is definitely getting the volume here in Oakland, and, and he's putting up the work. So good for Jacobs. He, he has clearly uh, uh, shut me up on me thinking he was not going to have that good of a rookie year or be that good. Uh, I, we were just, I say we because Dennis, I know, is on this boat as well uh we were just wrong we didn't see enough of it at alabama turns out we really didn't need to we we should have just believed what we saw in the limited workload that he got there last year 
On the Chargers side, I mean, there's really not much to take away from me here. You're still starting Gordon every week and Eckler. Phillip Rivers, uh, there's a lot of talk today that this might be his last year. Uh, obviously, that would suck. Uh, just as someone who's a fan of Phillip Rivers, I was always kind of hoping he would get a Super Bowl. Uh, just to kind of justify how good he, I don't know if it justifies, but help kind of push his... Uh, Career into Hall of Fame worthy as I do think he he is a really good quarterback, just not getting a lot of love. And but he's not having a good year this year. We saw it. He should have had like five or six interceptions in this one with the amount of penalties that took uh, interceptions back. So really not having a good year here. But Gordon Eckler, they're both playable. Keenan Allen, we talked about it on Thursday's pod. I think really the only thing holding him back from monster weeks or touchdowns, uh, as I. I I stated and messed up. Uh, Matt corrected me yesterday. So he has three touchdowns, all of them coming in the first three weeks, and then has not scored since. That's a long drought here, almost as bad as Odell's with his one touchdown in week two. Uh, so once he starts getting more touchdowns, I think he'll be fine. Although a bunch of Rivers' interceptions yesterday came when he was targeting Allen, which is definitely something to watch out for as well. Maybe that means they move away from him a little bit. I do think Hunter Henry comeback has really started to affect Allen as well. Uh, and while Mike Williams had a bad game, I don't necessarily think it's that much about him. I do think it was just about this offense a little bit, though it was a cake matchup for them. Uh, Mike Williams, I think you're still rolling him out there as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm going to hit you. I'm not going to be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. You are my boy. I'm a man. About to get ugly. So as I mentioned, it is week 10, and as Matt uh, so conveniently or so eloquently uh, coined earlier in this uh, week, it is by Apocalypse. We have six teams on a bye. The Denver Broncos, the Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New England Patriots, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Washington Redskins. So six teams on a bye. While the Redskins are likely not giving you much, uh, much fantasy production, all of the other five teams are. Which actually kind of leaves us with quite a light slate this week, but we'll go ahead and break it all down anyways. Again, not going full in-depth here like I usually do with Dennis. We're just going to give you a quick rundown all, all on all of these games. We're going to start with the New York Giants and the New York Jets, the Snoopy Bowl, I believe is what they call this game. So the New York Giants getting three points, but the Jets the 56% chance to win this game. So the Giants defense going up here against this Jets offense right now, 13th against the run, 4th against the pass, so they're giving up a ton of points. Can Sam Darnold turn it around this week? I don't think so. Uh, I know a lot of people are playing Robbie Anderson as like a sneaky play. I'm not one of them. We do know Chris Herndon will be back. Le'Veon Bell is said to be good with his knee issue. Uh, I mean, if you've got Bell, I think you've got to fire him up, but lower expectations a little bit here again. 13th. 
13th against running backs. You know, that's not great. It's lower half, so you're still looking at a decent matchup here for him. Uh, but with the knee injury, we don't know if he's going to be limited at all. Herndon coming back. I'd fire Herndon up again. Or Herndon in up, Jesus. Uh, I would fire Herndon up, guys, uh, especially with as bad as the tight end landscape is. You might be able to get a good game out of him, especially with what we've seen out of Ryan Griffin here with this team for the past couple weeks. So I like Herndon, but that's really it. Maybe Crowder. Crowder is one of those guys that I could see easily being a, a could finish the week as a low-end flex play, could end up finishing as a wide receiver one like he did last week just with the way he gets targeted. So take that back. I feel pretty comfortable starting uh, Crowder in a wide receiver two or flex spot this week against a really good matchup and going up against the the uh, the Giants here, but I'm just I'm not that sold on Robbie Anderson. I could be dead wrong on him this week, uh, but I'm not really throwing him out there as a, a – Flex starter with a lot of upside. I'm just not sure he gets the job done. On the Jets side, or I'm sorry, on the Giants side here. So the Giants, 18th against the run, 8th against the pass. So a little bit better in both categories. For the Giants side, you're obviously starting Saquon Barkley and then Golden Tate. I think that's really it. Evan Ingram is out in this one. He is hurt. I know some people, much like Robbie Anderson, are playing Darius Slayton, expecting a big game out of him. Maybe a low-end flex play for me. I don't see him having a big game here. I think Golden Tate's going to get peppered with targets with Ingram being out. I think he is by far the best wide receiver to play on this team uh, in in, uh, in fantasy football. And then Saquon Barkley, you got to start the kid. He is phenomenal. I actually think that the Giants – I'm sorry – the yeah, the Jets defense. I was gonna go Giants. Sorry, the Jets. Maybe both, but more the Jets defense could be a sneaky play this week as well. With as as often as Daniel Jones turns the ball over, the Jets have been scoring at least ten fantasy points the past couple weeks. I think they could possibly make a score out of something here with the turnovers Daniel Jones gets. Outside of that, I'm not expecting it to be a big game, but I am taking the New York Giants to win the game. Next up, you've got what I think could actually be a very good game here in the early window between the Carolina Panthers and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers getting 5.5 points and the 75% chance to win this game on Carolina Panthers. So their defense, six most points against a running back, 17th against the wide receivers. So, Obviously, you can run on the Panthers. Defense against the pass, though, a little bit better. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I think you can fire up this week. Aaron Jones, I think, has a bounce-back week. You're not sitting him anyways, but I think this also means Jamal Williams is a guy that you can play. We've seen that he's had pretty much flex value every single week here the past couple weeks. I think that continues. I think he's going to get just enough run and same in the receiving game uh, to do a little bit of damage. So Aaron Jones probably coming in as a a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. Jamal Williams coming in as a decent flex play this week. And Devontae Adams, even though it's a decent matchup uh, against the pass, and James Bradbury has been very good at cornerback, who I'd imagine is going to travel for the most part with Devontae Adams in this game, he is the only wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers just seems to trust no matter what. I know their uh, connection was a little bit off last week against the Chargers. It was Adams' first game back. I expect him to just continue to to look better every single week, and I think that was just kind of one of those fluky games. I, I don't see that happening again. I, I don't. It is back in Green Bay in this one. Well, I'm not saying uh, Adams has a you know monster day where he goes off for like 45 something points. I actually do think he scores in this one uh, and has himself a good day against the Panthers on the Panthers side here. 
Oh man, I'm I'm not sure. So we already talked about earlier a little bit in the week that obviously Kyle Allen is here to stay now with Cam Newton going on IR, possibly done with his Panthers career. The Packers are seventh with running backs and twenty third against the pass. So something we've talked about all season. They can get run on, but they do really not. They don't give up a lot of points in the air. So breaking news. You're starting Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he should have a huge game here. If you're going up against Christian McCaffrey, just hold your breath and hope that someone does at least really good uh, to keep it somewhat close against him because he likely is going to have a huge game and continue his MVP-type season. Outside of him, no, I'm really not trusting anybody else, and it's hard to say that. Maybe... DJ Moore. And of course, I know that I say that in DJ Moore. Put DJ Moore in your flex spot. Curtis Samuel is going to go off and have a huge game. And all the Curtis Samuel truthers are like, well, why didn't you tell me to start Curtis Samuel? I just don't know if you can trust either, neither, or both with Kyle Allen. It always seems like one or the other has a really good game. And as much as I love Curtis Samuel, it does see like DJ Moore has taken over as that one on that team. Likely means he's going to be locked up, again, with a really good defense here in Green Bay. We'll see how often they get after Kyle Allen. I'm still going to take DJ Moore because I think he's going to get targeted a little bit more than Curtis Samuel. If you want to play Curtis Samuel, I'm not going to tell you it's a bad call. Because we've seen that he has got the talent to score every time he touches the ball. Had a beautiful touchdown grab last week. Some of that on Kyle Allen, too, with a beautiful throw. But I'm going to take DJ Moore over those two. So for me on the Panthers side, just CMC and DJ Moore. And I, I took the Panthers to win this game. I think they've got a shot to pull off a little bit of an upset here and continue their possible playoff push. Next up, the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. The Bears getting 2.5 points in this one and the 60% chance to win this game on Detroit side here. The Chicago Bears, 12th against the run, 30th against the pass. That's really bad news for the Detroit Lions as they have no running game and they rely almost solely on the passing game right now. I don't expect even with the plus matchup that Ty Johnson and or J.D. McKissick do much of anything. Now the Bears in the, not necessarily the running game, but the extension of the running game and the short passing game to the running backs do give up a little bit of points. So if I had to choose one of those two, if if you're having to start one, I'd go J.D. McKissick. I think he could give you a decent amount of points this week, but I'm not expecting much out of him. Maybe 8 to 10 points. So I don't think he has a huge game. Obviously if he scores a touchdown, it's going to really skew that and give him better numbers, but I'm not expecting a huge day. For the wide receivers, honestly, I think you can start both. Uh, Marvin Jones has been phenomenal since Carryon Johnson went out. They've just been throwing the ball. We've seen Matthew Stafford has a lot of fantasy value when he's being able to pass the ball a lot, and I think that continues this week. I know the Bears are phenomenal in the pass defense, but they're going to have to throw. I see. I see. I think I say they have to. They're going to have to throw to win this game. But with as bad as Chicago's offense is, maybe they don't. Regardless, I still think they're both going to get you enough points. You you have to start Kenny Galladay every week because of how good he is. Marvin Jones, he's a flex starter for you, and I think he's going to bring back that value likely. I, I think he scores again this week with a lot of attention going to Kenny Galladay. Uh, so I think right there alone, the touchdown, probably 40, 50 yards, couple catches, gets you the exact points that you need in a flex spot to probably help you win. So I'm starting both of them. On Chicago's side here, I mean, does it matter if Detroit's good or not? They are giving giving up uh, the most here right now to running backs 26 points a game 11th against the uh, wide receivers so David Montgomery I think he has a huge game this week I really do like I, I know a lot of people 
I don't know what to say. D- Detroit was not this bad against the run earlier in the season, but for whatever reason, they've really kind of gone downhill the past couple weeks, which has skewed the numbers a little bit. I think Montgomery, huge game again here. I talked about it on Thursday's episode. He's a buy low for me if you can get him. He had two really good games. I think it's going to continue as a lot of plus-plus matchups moving forward. I'm buying all in. I think David Montgomery has a chance to be a top 12 running back again this week. Outside of him, it's A-Rob and that's it. I know he had a bad game last week, uh, but even with as bad as Trubisky's been all season, A-Rob has been on fire and by far the best wide receiver on that team. And he's the only one I trust moving forward. It's a decent matchup. Again, the Detroit Lions 11th right now, giving up 23 points a game to wide receivers. I'm, I'm rolling with A-Rob. I think he's going to be fine. You're, you're likely downgrading options with Mitch Trubisky being there. He's probably more of a flex option than the RB2 you hoped he was going to be or drafted him as. Uh, but I still think you can throw him out there and be just fine. Uh, outside of that, I'm not trusting Anthony Miller, Taylor, Taylor Gabriel. Obviously not trust start Mitch Trubisky unless you're in a super flex, at which point you're just hoping for the best. And uh, I'm taking the Detroit Lions to win this game. I think the Lions, same thing as the Panthers, pull off the upset and continue to make the NFC extremely interesting this season. Next up, we've got the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. Baltimore getting 10.5 points and the 76% chance to win this game. For the Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati, uh, second against the run, 15th against wide receivers. Lamar Jackson... Uh, I mean, he's going to ball out. You have to expect that. Same with Mark Ingram. Mark Andrews, I think, has a bounce back week here. Uh, I'm not expecting him to go off, but it is a good matchup for him. And that's it. Maybe Hollywood Brown. I know a lot of people are very high on Hollywood Brown. I think you could throw him in your flex spot, but I'm personally not trusting him. Uh, you know, I talked about it with Matt uh, when we talked about them on Tuesday's podcast. For me, I think it's really kind of dwindled down to Lamar Ingram and Andrews for me on this offense. They just don't seem to be throwing the ball as much as they were earlier. They're beating people up with the run and the defense, and that's fine. They're winning games. That's all they need. I could easily see Hollywood Brown having a huge game here in a plus-plus matchup. So definitely, oh my goodness, I almost, uh, ah, goodness, I was trying not to cough. Uh, whoo. Anyways, uh, I, I would definitely throw, if I own Brown in any leagues, I feel comfortable throwing in my flex this week with the plus-plus matchup. But I, I don't, I'm not expecting a huge game out of him again. He's so talented and so good, so fast. All it takes is that one play, so I, I would I would expect he's going to get that one play this week. So I, I'll throw him in my flex spot, but outside of that, not much. For the Bengals, I mean, oh, God, there's really nobody I'm trusting this week. It's just bad. Baltimore 20th in the running backs, 14th in the wide receiver. Obviously, Ryan Finley coming out there with his first game. We know A.J. Green's not going to be out there. I've got Tyler Boyd. I'm starting him, projecting. I'm, I'm expecting high-end wide receiver three numbers, maybe low-end wide receiver two. I'm really not expecting much. Uh, actually, I'm throwing Odd and Tate out in a couple leagues. I think he's sneaky value this week. I think they are going to kind of key in on Tyler Boyd. If Ryan Finley can get this offense going at all when they get down in the red zone, they got a big red zone target in Ryan Finley. Or Ryan Finley, my goodness. Ryan Finley's a quarterback. He ain't throwing to himself, Matt. Odd and Tate. And, and so I do think they've gotten a lot of work together in the offseason, not being necessarily with the ones. I think he could lean on Odd and Tate a little bit heavier. So I'm playing him as a sneaky play this week. Uh, I think he could have a really good game. Love Joe Mixon, love the talent, don't like him this week against a really good Baltimore defense and the fact that that offensive line is just beat up. If you can start players over him, I would. We I've talked about it before, I've downgraded him to like that flex territory every single week. 
obviously, depending on where you well, where you draft him, you likely draft him as your RB1. If you drafted well enough to have a bunch of running backs and you can replace him, I would definitely do that this week because I do not at all expect a good game from him, especially with Ryan Finley. I think they're going to be going right at him and trying to stop that run. Uh, so I, I'm really expecting a, a kind of bad game for them. But I am really excited to see Ryan Finley this week and what he can do against a good team. Obviously, I'm taking Baltimore to win this one here. Oh, okay, let's get into it. The Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo coming into Cleveland. Cleveland getting the three points uh, and are projected to win this by 59%. So that is uh, definitely interesting. For Buffalo side, Cleveland, 10th against the rush, uh, 21st against the pass. So there, as, as I've stated before, somehow even without Grady Williams and Denzel Ward, most of the season are really doing a good job stopping the pass. Unfortunately, they're getting beat up on the run, which is what Buffalo does extremely well. Devin Singletary, he is in your lineups. I am playing him in all the lineups that I own him because I think he's going to have a great game here yet again. Outside of him, John Brown. I still think John Brown's going to get a little bit of uh, a little bit of play here. He's still extremely fast. Josh Allen likes to hit him deep. We've seen the Browns can be beat on big plays on the back end, especially on Greedy Williams' side. Maybe Dawson Knox. I would say he's more of a flyer pick for me this week outside of Brown and Singletary, though. Nobody else I'm trusting. We do know Allen has an issue with fumbles and and really struggles when it uh when he gets pressured which I do think with that offensive line could see a lot of pressures this week with Miles Garrett and I mean we don't know if Olivier Vernon will play at this point in time but I I think Garrett's gonna be able to get to Allen a little bit here uh so I, I'm not expecting a huge game from Allen on the Brown side well we do know Buffalo phenomenal against the pass as well 31st but just 11th against the run so you're playing Nick Chubb there's obviously a lot of talk about them Talking as much about Kareem Hunt as they are, I still think Nick Chubb is good to go this week. You've got to keep starting Nick Chubb until he shows you that you you can't trust him because of what Kareem Hunt is doing. And I don't necessarily think that happens this week. I know Hunt's been back at practice, but you can't simulate NFL games. So I know they're talking about throwing him out there that much or how much, whatever they do. Freddie Kitchens has uh, obviously thrown Hilliard out quite a lot, as you guys have heard me complain about on the podcast and on Twitter. I'm not necessarily trusting that this week. I don't care how often Hunt goes out there. Chubb is so good in a plus-plus matchup. He has to be in your lineups. Kareem Hunt, I would not play him unless you are truly, truly desperate, because I don't think he has a huge game here. Wide receiver side, we saw the reports earlier this week that Odell is going to be force-fed the ball. Uh, okay. If you want to start him, by all means, go for it. He He's not been horrible. He's been getting you, pretty for the most part, double-digit points. So he'd be coming in wide receiver three, unfortunately, this season. Likely going to get matched up with Tredavious White most of the game. I don't think that's a great matchup for him, though. He did have Harris beat a couple times, and Baker didn't pull the trigger. We'll see what happens. If I had to choose a wide receiver to have a good game here, uh, same thing as last week. Landry and Callaway, and they both outscored Odell last week as well. Just because I think they're going to get the better matchups in this offense. And I would do the same thing. Deep league, though, for Callaway. You've got, I'm talking 14, 16 teamers, two flex spots, or 12 teamers, two flex spots kind of thing to throw Callaway out there. I expect him to get right around 10 points again this week. And Landry, I think he's going to get, uh, target, he- targeted heavier, probably score maybe again like he did last week. <sighs> I mean, I'm picking the Browns to win just because I'm really hoping they can bounce back and and, and have a good run here, like Miles Garrett said. But I'm personally not trusting it because uh, I just I don't know what to think with this team anymore. Uh, I do think it's going to be a low scoring game, though. Hoping Cleveland can pull off their first home win of the season. 
All right, we got a couple more early morning games or the early afternoon slate to get through here. You got the Chiefs and the Titans. The Chiefs getting six points and the 69% chance to win this game. The Titans defense has actually been pretty good for the most part. 19th against the rush and 22nd against the pass. I still don't think that means much, obviously, with the Chiefs, especially if Patrick Mahomes plays. There is a lot of talk to that. He will. Uh, I mean, Matt Moore, I still think, probably plays this game. I still think we see Patrick Mahomes going through the bye week. Could be wrong on that. That's definitely something to watch. Regardless, Matt Moore has proved that he can play comparable or com. My goodness, guys, I cannot talk. It, 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 it's hard for me today. The English language is just not, not working for me. Uh, he has been somewhat comparable to Patrick Mahomes in this offense. He's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's played very good. I still think it's Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Uh, and I think you can play Damian Williams here. I don't think he has a, a lot of upside. He's probably not going to be an RB1 this week again against a very good Titans defense, 19th against the run. But I still think he's going to be good. They've really kind of moved away from Shady McCoy after those fumbles. So get some work in the passing game. Those are the three for me. And I'm not in on Hardman or or Robinson or, or Sammy Watkins. For me, it's just those three. If Patrick Mahomes plays, I'd fire him up at QB because the dude's a stud and he will be fine. On the Titans side, let's see here. So the Kansas City Chiefs are mediocre i would say at at best here on defense mainly because they're really good in one area and really bad in another so they are top three against the run they're allowing 24 points a game that is really not that good but 18 points against the pass 26th so what that means for me is Derrick Henry is in for another big game here against the Kansas City Chiefs. And something that we already kind of knew, you're not playing anybody in the receiving game because you just can't trust anybody. You can't trust Davis. You can't trust Brown. You can't trust Walker. You can't trust John o. Smith. So you are playing Derrick Henry, and that's it. I, I Tight end landscape as bad as it is. I think you can throw John New Smith out there. Maybe he gets you a touchdown. I, I do think Tennessee keeps it somewhat competitive based on their defense. And even if Patrick Mahomes does play, I don't think he goes and balls all out again. <laughs> he, dude is superhuman and one of the best quarterbacks in the game. But a, a dislocated kneecap is a dislocated kneecap. It's not something easy to come back from. Uh, so I don't think it's a high-scoring game. So they do likely stay in it if they're not handing the ball to Derrick Henry. 99 out of 100 plays. John New Smith, I think, does have some touchdown upside back. Outside of that, it's just Derrick Henry for me in this one, and I am taking the Kansas City Chiefs to win it. The uh, Let's see. Oh, I was going to say the last early morning sleep. we got two games left. So next up, Falcons Saints. Saints getting 13.5 points in this one and the 77% chance to win this game. We already know Atlanta's defense is extremely bad. Third against the wide receivers, 14th in the passing here. I'm sorry, in the running game here. So Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, uh, they're both likely going to get a lot of run here. Alvin Kamara back finally from the injury. I I think he's fine to play. I'm really not worried about Kamara. I know there's a lot of talk about Latavius Murray getting a lot more work because he's proved that he deserves to get the work what he's done the past couple weeks with Kamara being out. And I don't disagree with that statement. Murray has been fantastic. If you own Murray... Flex at best. I, I really don't think he's going to get that much of the quote unquote Mark Ingram role that a lot of people are talking about. But I could see him getting some work, especially in the goal line. So if you, you're looking for a guy who maybe can get you some touchdowns, you know, I, I kind of view him in like the Jordan Howard role there in Philly. He can get you some work, but I don't expect him to be an all out baller. I do expect Kamara to come out and still be decent, even though it is a somewhat tougher matchup. 
middle of the pack in the 14 range there for the Falcons. Uh, with the receiving work he gets and obviously the rushing as well, Kamara's going to be fine. He'll be back in, I would say, probably a top 10 back this week. Passing-wise, I mean, you're firing up Michael Thomas. I don't really think you can trust anybody else, though. I mean, yeah, you can throw Ted Ginn out there as a flyer. I don't think he gets you that much. It's going to be all Michael Thomas. I don't know... Uh, if Jared Cook is going to be back for sure or not in this one, it has not shown him ruled out, so he is likely questionable. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're wanting to throw him in a tight end spot, I wouldn't hate it for him. But uh, I, I, I personally don't trust Jared Cook. Uh, all of his really, all of his work really kind of came there with Teddy Bridgewater. We have not seen any kind of connection between him and Drew Brees. So for me, it's just Michael Thomas. On Atlanta's side here, so kind of the same thing we know with New Orleans. Horrible against the, the pass, but they are, I mean, one of the best against defense. 31st against the run there. So for Atlanta, Devonta Freeman, if you got him, flex that best this week. Because one, the one thing I will say is someone who owns Devonta Freeman and been paying very close attention to it, he's actually not getting that much or doing that much in the running game, but he's getting a ton of receiving work. And Edo Smith likely out again, not likely out, Edo Smith is out again in this game. So that means he's likely going to get even more receiving work. Brian Hill coming in as well. And we'll get some work, I'm sure. I love Devonta, goodness, I just used the L word. I do not love Devonta Freeman, but I do like Devonta Freeman to get a lot of receiving work, so I do think he brings you that flex upside. The Saints, however, are horrible against the pass, and we already know that ninth. They have improved a little bit. We're as low as four and five, I believe, earlier in the season. Have moved up to nine. Marcus Lattimore kind of locking down number ones has helped. Uh, so Marcus Lattimore last year did play a lot on Calvin Ridley, but also played some on Julio. I think you're fine firing both of those guys up, though. I don't see an issue. He, I, I would imagine he's going to kind of follow either or. Through parts of the game, not throughout the entire game. So when he's on Julio, I would I could see Matt Ryan going to Calvin Ridley and vice versa. We do know Matt Ryan will play in this game. Dan Quinn did come out and say Matt Ryan is good to go. So in my opinion, you're good to fire up Ryan, Julio, Ridley, and Hooper. And then Freeman at best is a flex play this week. If you have some running backs, you can start over him or a wide receiver flex-wise. I do that because uh, I, I think he gets a lot of work in the receiving game. And again, he could be in for a big game with the receiving work that he gets I could see a couple receiving big receiving plays maybe even a receiving touchdown because I do think this will be somewhat of a shootout with as bad as Atlanta's defense is uh, and that means Atlanta will be out of it trying to get back into the game throwing to Freeman a lot out of the backfield so could be in for a decent game that's why I'm saying flex at I should say flex at worst not flex at best flex at worst I still think he's playable just don't expect a lot of rushing production out of him I am taking the Saints to win this one. Now we are on to the last early slate game here. The Arizona Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa getting five points. Oh, excuse me. And they are the 71%, given the 71% chance to win this game. Arizona 17th against the rush, 10th against the pass. Uh, I don't think that matters anyways, because really for for Tampa Bay, you're only playing Godwin and Evans. At least those are the guys you're comfortable with. Jameis, I think, is a low-end or middle-tier QB2 this week, I think, for me. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a shootout. I do think there's going to be a lot of passing in this. Mike Evans, Godwin, they're in... um, kind of think Howard might do something this week and now that I say that he's going to be a complete bust but I could actually see Howard having a decent game in this one 
And then Ronald Jones. I think you're throwing him in an inflex spot moving forward. Uh, they're going to give him the ball. He's going to get some receiving work. I think every single week moving on out, uh, he is flex worthy in my opinion. Again, middle of the tier, literally almost middle of the tier, just a little bit above that 17 against running backs right now, 18 points a game. I, I don't think Peyton Barber is going to be as involved as others. I love Ronald Jones. I think it's going to be his time to shine. If you got him, fire him up as a flex this first week. Don't throw him in your RB2 spot. Give him a flex play. Let's see what happens with him. But but I like him in this one. For uh for Arizona side here, so Tampa Bay, 30th uh, against the run. As we talked about last week, they've just been phenomenal in stopping the run. But they are horrible against the pass, allowing the second most points and 30 points to wide receivers. So Christian Kirk, fire him up. Wide receiver, a wide receiver one this week. When you say the wide receiver one, everybody's going to think I'm saying 1-1. I don't think he finishes as 1-1, but I do think he finishes as a wide receiver one this week. Get Kirk in your lineups. I think he is in for a huge game this week. I think Larry Fitzgerald has a little bit of a bounce back as well. With the running backs, I don't know what to do here. There's obviously talks that DJ will be back out there. One of the latest reports I saw was that they're going to play both of them at the same time. DJ moved and playing some wide receiver, which should be interesting. Regardless, you're throwing DJ in if he's playing Kenyon Drake. I just don't trust it. I, I personally cannot play him. If you want to take the shot on him, if he comes through, great. I'm happy for you. I'm glad that it worked out. For me specifically, I have him in a couple leagues. He's going back to my bench until I can see what this timeshare is. I just can't take the shot on him. I did last week, and obviously that worked out with the game he had against San Francisco, and he proved that he is a I shouldn't say elite back, but a very good running back and deserves to get a chance at doing something. I just don't know if he gets that in in Arizona with DJ being back. So for me, Kenyon Drake needs to go back to your bench for one more week until we see what this split is going to be between him and DJ. But DJ is good to go. Uh, And I'm actually going to take the Cardinals to win this one. I like the Cardinals in this matchup. I think they've got the firepower to get it done. First afternoon slate game here, the Miami Dolphins and the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts getting 11 points. And they are the 80, get, being given the 89% chance to win this game. Miami, fourth in, fourth most, uh, running backs and fourth or seventh most against the pass. So this is going to be the interesting thing for me. We don't know for sure if Jacoby Brissett is going to play. If Brian Hoyer is in there, I think Zach Pascal and Jack Doyle are the plays for me. Um, you know, I could see possibly Chester Rogers doing something. Miami gives up the most points to the slot wide receivers. That's where Chester Rogers will be. I personally would not play Chester Rogers. For me, it'd be Jack Doyle and Zach Pascal. But if you're looking for a, a low end guy who might produce for you, Chester Rogers is the guy on Indianapolis' side. Running back wise, I think you're going to throw Marlon Mack up there. Miami horrible against the run. I think if Hoyer is out there, they're going to lean on him a little bit more. This should be an easily winnable game. So I don't see them throwing the ball a lot. Marlon Mack should be in for for a big game in this one. Miami side here. So Indianapolis, they are 25th against the run, 20th against the pass. So they are just been phenomenal on defense. I mean, just ridiculous. 16 points to running backs, 21 points to wide receivers. It sounds like a lot. It's not. They're, they're in the bottom 10 of both of those, or 12 technically, on a on the pass, but or the wide receivers. So they've been phenomenal defense this year. And, and I mean, that's it. You you can't you can't play anybody from Miami. You just can't. I know if you're a Parker guy, maybe flex that for me, if it's your twelve team league, I'm not throwing well, okay, I take that back. Six teams on a bye, you're throwing them in your flex spot. Uh, obviously 14, 16 as you're throwing them in there. If we only had the usual two or four teams on by, Parker would probably be on the bench for me this week. That secondary is just very good against for for Indianapolis. 
And without Preston Williams over there now, I think all the attention averts or comes to Devontae Parker. I do kind of like Gasecki in this one a little bit. I liked what we saw out of him last week. I don't think he has a huge game here. But again, as bad as the tight end landscape is, he has a shot to finish in the top 12. So if you've got him, you're not rocking any of those other big-name guys, I'd throw him in there. i throw him in over Howard, for instance, who I think still might have a good game this week. But Gasecki, throw him in there. I think he could easily pop in, possibly even his top five this week. Because again, I think they're going to uh, kind of move all their attention to Parker. And I don't, I'm not expecting anything out of Balage. I want to see how they handle Gaskins and if Laird gets in there at all at the running back. I've, as I've talked about before with Matt earlier this week, I like Gaskins. I like him coming out of Washington. He can do it all. He, he was a workhorse back for them and is a really good receiving back as well. So I'm interested to see the role that he gets. But it's likely going to be Kalen Balage running the ball for the Dolphins. And, uh, Balage just sucks. He's, he's not good. Uh, I don't think, you know, he already came out earlier this week and said he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. I disagree with that statement, but you need to prove a lot because you're not that good of a running back. You haven't shown to be that good of a running back. So I personally don't think if you've got him, you are not firing him up. And I'm taking the Colts to win this game. Next up, one of the... Actually, I think both these last two games could be very interesting. Rams-Steelers, the Rams getting four points in this one and the 61% chance to win this game. For the Rams, Pittsburgh 26th against the run, 12th against the pass. So you're beating them through the air pretty much. And I, I kind of see that. I don't think Gurley has a big game here. You're starting him RB2. I think that's where he's going to finish this week. Probably it, really what he's been doing all year. He's a low-end RB2, high-end RB3. That's what you're playing him as. It's just unfortunate, but it is what it is with him, especially without the receiving work he's getting. I don't expect him much on a lot on the ground. You're beating Pittsburgh through the air here. Woods and Cup, I think they're the ones. I'm not buying it on the Josh Reynolds type. I know Brandon Cooks is out, and everybody's going to be focusing in on Woods and Cup, but you know what? Jared Goff's still going to hit them. Maybe I'll be wrong. Josh Reynolds could come end up having a huge game this week. I'm not playing him. I'm not trusting him. If you want to do it, more power to you. For me, it's Woods, Cup, and Gurley in this one. I'm also steering clear Gerald Everett. Couple bad games. I know they went into their buy last week, so maybe they got that figured out. I wasn't buying into him being a top tier tight end, anyways. I'm not buying it coming out of the buy either. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Los Angeles Rams, 15th against the run, 24th against the pass. So middle of the pack in the run, very good against the pass. For me, I think that means sit everybody but Samuels. I just don't trust anybody else on Pittsburgh's offense. Juju got added late today to the injury report with a toe injury. I think I'm, I'm moving him out of my lineup. In fact, I replaced him with Christian Kirk uh, earlier this morning. I said I'm big on Kirk. You've got a guy that you you think might actually have it. Do it. I just Juju dealing with the toe against a really good defense is likely means he's going to get locked up with Jalen Ramsey most of the, the time. You're looking for maybe one big play out of him, and that's it. And, and yes, he can do it, but with the injury, I think that makes it even less likely. So I'm pulling him out of my lineups. You guys have any questions or someone you think you might want to start over him? Hit me up on Twitter, and I will gladly tell you if I'd start that player over Juju because you're not starting, you know, Antonio Callaway over Juju. But if you've got some com- comparable wide receivers, I would definitely do it this week with the, with a very tough matchup against Jalen Ramsey. You know, who again, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and he won't be matched up on him all the time. So Juju will get a couple plays against some weaker competition. But for the most part, I imagine it's going to be him on Jalen. And not that he can't beat Jalen Ramsey because I do think he could. Again, I'm I'm, I'm basing this clearly on. 
Being added to the injury list on Friday is never a good thing. I think it's back with that toe injury again he suffered in week one. That could limit him a little bit as well. So for me, in in the Pittsburgh, it's just Jalen Samuels. I know that uh, middle of the pack, as I said, against the run, but with the receiving work, he's going to get as well. We know Trey Edmonds got banged up a little bit in the in the last game. Uh, Jalen Samuels, give me all the Jalen Samuels. I think he's going to be perfectly fine again this weekend and a great play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm taking the Rams, though, to win this game. And the Sunday night game, which should be another really good one, the Cowboys and the Vikings. Cowboys getting three points in this one and being given the 54% chance to win this game. So for the Vikings, Dallas, 22nd against the run, 29th against the pass. So they have been balling out on defense. Leighton Vander Esch still could possibly be out in this one. I think that could be big for the Vikings and Dalvin Cook. He's not listed on the injury report, so hopefully that means that he is back. I haven't seen anything for sure on that. Regardless if he's in or out, you're playing Dalvin Cook. Uh, that That is the weaker part of their defense, is is handling the run. We know Dalvin Cook has been one of the best running backs, not just in fantasy, but in the NFL this season. Once Since he's come back fully healthy this year, he's been balling out. So Dalvin Cook, good to go. The passing game, Adam Thielen is out. So that means it's going to be Stephon Diggs and Ola B.C. Johnson. I think you've got to play Diggs. I'm not expecting a big game here. Again, Cowboys phenomenal. 29th against the pass. That is third best, guys. I mean, that is ridiculously good, and they have, they've proved it. They've been really good all season long in that secondary. You know, a woozy has been awesome. A guy I was hoping the Browns would draft or would have drafted a couple years ago and the Cowboys got him. Uh, he, he's been really good on the other side there of Woods. Uh, I really am worried about Diggs this week. Chances are you don't have a better option than him, but don't expect big numbers out of Diggs. You're, at best, you're hoping for him to score a touchdown. Cause I do think they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit to stay in this game. Uh, two good defenses, but the Vikings defense, in all honesty, is more beatable in my opinion than the Cowboys the Vikings defense 28th against the run 13th against the pass so they can't get beat in the secondary this is that one game uh, that I was talking about that they could the the Cowboys could get up on we, we talked about it a couple times this week me and Matt and then on the Thursday podcast with Tony that the Cowboys have a bunch of tough matchups coming up including Amari Cooper going up against a, t- a lot of tough cornerbacks Xavier Rhodes has been beatable this year. We did see that Trey Waynes, I believe, got put on the injury report as well. I think he is currently questionable. Yes, he is questionable right now. So that is a big deal. That's also going to hurt the the Vikings secondary a little bit if he cannot play. So, I, I mean, that really makes me torn on, on what I think Amari Cooper can do in this game. Because, again, Woods has been beatable at times. And all it takes is Amari Cooper one play. I'm not expecting a big game out of him. You're playing him. He's a wide receiver one. We talked about it the other day. I had him as my MVP of the NFC East. He's been phenomenal. As much as it pains me to admit that he has been very good. I think you play him. Uh, at best, he if he gets you that touchdown, great. He comes through for you, just like last week. Not having a great day until he gets you that touchdown play. And the same could happen this week. They're going to be throwing the ball because this defense has been phenomenal against stopping the run. I think they're going to be able to get to Zeke a little bit. Zeke's still going to have himself a, a Zeke day. You know, probably 20 carries for 100-plus yards. Touchdown's going to save your day or hurt your day. If he doesn't get it, you know, you're getting those 15 points. If he does get it, great. All of a sudden, you've got yourself an RB1. So Zeke... You know, don't expect a huge day out of him. You need him likely to get that touchdown to come through for you big time. Omari Cooper, I think, could have a good day here. I actually think Gallup's going to be the best wide receiver on the day for them, getting the better matchups. 
I'm going to take the Vikings to pull off an upset here. I think Kirk Cousins finally gets it done in primetime, which probably means the Dallas Cowboys are going to blow the Vikings out uh, because they Kirk Cousins has really just struggled in primetime games. The last game for Week 10 should be a really good one on Monday night. The Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers, the last undefeated team in the NFL. The 49ers here are getting six and a half points in this game. And let's see here, they are being given the 75% chance to win this game. So Seattle, 21st in the or in the rush, 18th against the pass. So middle, not, not even really middle pack, very good against both. San Francisco, you're playing Tevin Coleman. Uh, I, I know they've got that mix between him and Brita. I just think Coleman's going to get the most out of this matchup, but I don't expect a lot here. Uh, this is probably the most beatable part of their team. We saw Chubb get a little bit of run against them. Uh, I think that's probably the best part to attack them. Wide receiver-wise, I think it's just Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders, although you do need to watch Kittle. Uh, there is a lot of talk that he might miss this game. If he is out, I, I don't. There's no other tight end that I'm playing over him, but he is questionable right now, as is Breida and Mostert. So for me, it's just Sanders, Coleman, and if kills and Kittle for San Francisco, because I don't expect this to be a shootout. I, I do think that these two are going to go at each other pretty hard defensively. On Seattle's side here, the San Francisco 49ers, 29th against the pass, 28th against the run. I mean, you got to start Wilson, Carson, and Lockett, and I think that's it. I think this is one of those weeks you can sit Metcalf, and I'm kind of torn on that one. I don't think – I know Josh Gordon's there right now. I don't think that factors into it. I just don't think they get a lot done here. Now, that being said, I if you play Metcalf – you probably, you could end up, I hate talking out both sides of my mouth here, and I feel like I'm doing it. Metcalf, I, I could see Metcalf scoring a touchdown here because he, I do think he's kind of taken over as that red zone target. He has the most red zone targets in the NFL right now. And I think a lot of that has come to the fact due to Will Disley being out. Will Disley, big target down there in the red zone. Metcalf, even bigger. And Metcalf is just a stud. So if you want to play him in a flex spot, I don't, I wouldn't tell you no. Because uh, I could see him scoring a touchdown here. And, and it's something Matt said, I think, a couple weeks ago on the podcast when we first started talking about how Metcalf needed to be in your lineup every single week. He's one of those guys who gets you like four catches and 100 yards and two touchdowns or four catches and 40 yards and a touchdown. Regardless, both those make your day. So I could see Metcalf having a good game here. I, I really am interested to see who Richard Sherman matches up on. As I, as I kind of think it's going to be Metcalf because I'm not sure he can keep up with Lockett. I'm not trying to say Richard Sermon's not that good. I just don't know if he can keep up with Lockett. But Lockett is so good, you got to play him. He's probably not going to score this week because he doesn't seem to score on the even weeks. Uh, but if he gets you a bunch of catches and yards, you'll be good there. Russell Wilson is in the conversation for MVP of the NFL. He's got to be in your lineup. And Chris Carson, like I said, he's just been the workhorse. You know, lower expectations going up against such a good defense, but he's in your lineup and just, you know, same thing as Zeke. Hope he scores you a touchdown. He'll make your day. I'm taking San Francisco to remain undefeated and beat Seattle by a field goal here in a really good Monday night game. So that'll do it. That's going to wrap up our, our coverage here for week 10. I truly appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Before we cut out of here, I do want to jump in and talk really quick about some college football as I haven't had a chance to do that here in the past couple weeks. So I 
side of the field. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25. And Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain, their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, puts it in the end zone. Hunter in the cut it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races, nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! Up made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards. So it is also, it's week 11 of college football, and we have got some really good games on the schedule. Uh, you know, Ohio State goes up against Maryland. We'll see. You know, a lot of people not very high on Maryland right now. Ohio State is being given 43 points, but Maryland took Ohio State to the wire last year, and if, and if the dude doesn't make a bad play on the two-point conversion, Maryland wins that game. So I know it's a completely different team for Ohio State, but they are missing Chase Young now, dealing with the NCAA violations and ineligibility that came down uh, early this morning. You know, hopefully it's just this one game. As a Buckeyes fan, I hope it's only this one game. But but not having him is going to be big for this defense. The defense kind of revolves around him and the pressure that he's able to get on the quarterback. So I do think that's going to be a big loss for them. Outside of that game, though, there there's three games that I'm really focusing on. We'll save, obviously, the best one for last. I am picking Ohio State to win that game. Just throwing that out there. Also in the early morning window, you've got Minnesota at Penn State. Both undefeated here. Should be a really good game. Penn State being given 6.5 points and a 74% chance to win this game. Can P.J. Fleck get this team to win? That Minnesota has got a, a real shot here of making it to the Big Ten Championship. Penn State this week, then Iowa, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. I think they could easily win all those games, Wisconsin being their next big test at the end of the season. If they went out and then Ohio State wins out, they will play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. Both teams are undefeated. Whoever wins that game is going to the playoffs. So Minnesota has a realistic shot here to do something. P.J. Fleck obviously just kind of uh, re-signed. Uh, for a couple more years here, so I like it. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver here in Minnesota, sophomore, has been really good. I, I'm, I'm thinking he could have a really good game in this one. I'm looking for him to take a big step forward. You got Rodney Smith, the senior running back, should have a good game. 
The big thing is going to be between Clifford, uh, Sean Clifford, the quarterback for Penn State, and KJ Hamler, wide receiver, sophomore. Dude is just freakishly good. He's going to be the playmaker there for the Nittany Lions, and if they can pull off the win here. I'm rooting for Minnesota, but I do think Penn State probably ends up pulling this off, which then sets up a big matchup in two weeks with Ohio State. Um, you know, they get somewhat of a bye week against Indiana, although you can't overlook those matches. We saw Wisconsin do that earlier in the year and get beat. Uh, but they do get Indiana at 7-2 and two, uh, before they get Ohio State. So I shouldn't say really a bye week. Indiana, a lot better than I thought they were playing right now. Uh, but they got to get through Minnesota first. This is going to be a really big game and a good test for them and, and a really good game nobody's talking about because of the other one, which we'll get to in a minute because I want to talk about one more game and that is also in the Big Ten between I Iowa and Wisconsin. Uh, you know, I won't be watching as much of this, unfortunately, because it's on at the same time as the big game between LSU and Alabama, but I'm really watching this game for Jonathan Taylor and Nate Stanley. Stanley has really kind of struggled here in this second half of the season. He was a guy I was really hoping to take a step forward and kind of work his way up toward Fromm in, in the quarterback class here. I think he's easily dropped down as like the sixth best quarterback right now uh, with as good as some like Eason, Burrow, uh, Tua, obviously, I enjoy Justin Herbert, like, he, he's kind of fallen off, unfortunately, for me, which sucks because uh, I like Nate Stanley a lot coming in this year. He's a guy that I'll be watching that game, though. I do think Wisconsin ends up pulling it off, but I'm hoping Nate Stanley can have a good game, kind of rebuild his stock some. But the big game is obviously LSU and Alabama. Alabama being given the 71% chance to win this game, and they're being given six points. This game is going to be huge. We've never seen LSU have the offense that they have right now. It's always been kind of a defensive struggle between these two teams, but Alabama's always had the better offensive players for the most part, or at least a quarterback that can get it done or get the ball to somebody. And they've ended up winning these games. And I do think that the offenses are very fairly matched, and the defenses are as well. Now, defensively, LSU lost, uh, um, my goodness, why can I not think of his name right now? Uh, Divinity, I was going to say Duvernay, who's the wide receiver for Texas. uh, Divinity left their best pass rusher right now, so that's going to be huge because Tua, I don't think, is fully healthy yet. We saw him get the tightrope surgery, or we didn't see him, but we know he got the tightrope surgery on that ankle. I do think it's going to limit him a little bit in rushing and moving around in the pocket. I think he's going to have to get the ball out quick when you have wide receivers like Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, you're going to be a Devonta Smith. You're going to be able to get the ball out quickly, and those guys are going to be able to get a ton of rack yards. Grant Delpit is going to be huge in this one, obviously, for LSU, as is... Uh, cornerback Christian Fulton, who's likely going to get some pretty serious matchups here, whether he's going up against Judy, Ruggs, or Smith, or Waddle. He's going to have to shut those guys down when he's on them. Uh, a top prospect in this year's draft defensively for LSU. They're going to have to play really good defense and try and limit Tua and keep him in the pocket, make him beat them. Uh, I do think Najee Harris uh, might get slowed down a little bit in this one as well for LSU. On LSU's side here, obviously Trayvon Diggs going up against uh Jefferson is going to be a great matchup to watch. Uh, LSU offense again with Joe Burrow with the way he's been playing. They're going to have to try and limit that pass rush on him and allow him to get the ball to Jefferson and Chase. Also, like LSU's running back, who's really kind of taking a step forward, a guy not a lot of people were talking about. They had a true freshman in, and man, I cannot remember his name for the life of me. Uh, they all thought he was going to come in and run away with the job, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has really done a good job running the ball here. Uh, I do think he could 
could be a big key for this team. If he can kind of run the ball, keep Alabama's offense off the field, that is going to give LSU a chance to win this game. And that's why I'm picking to win it. I really think LSU's offense is going to come through for this big time. We've we've seen how close this game has been in the past couple of years with just how good the defenses have been. And LSU has never really had that offense uh, to kind of pull out the win or keep up with Alabama when Alabama started to pull away. LSU finally has that now. Now they and and the one thing I'll say about LSU. I understand that Alabama has Nick Saban and he always coaches the teams well and everything, but they've never, they have not been in many hard fought games this year. They have not been tested. LSU has multiple times now and Joe Burrow has come through for them. I think that's going to come through big in the spotlight this week. Early afternoon game, three o'clock is going to be probably the best game of the weekend. One of the better games of the season, I would imagine. I think he is going to come up big and LSU pulls off the win here. The, the ESPN game or Fox game, you got Iowa State at Oklahoma. I think that could be a, a very good game. I'm, I'm interested to watch Brock Purdy in this one against Jalen Hurts. Oklahoma going to need to win big here if they want any shot about getting back into the playoffs. And then the, the ABC game, Clemson at NC State. I'm not watching that crap. Clemson should roll them. So, unfortunately, I wish the LSU-Alabama game would be on uh, at, at late night to really kind of kick it off with a really good game. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Still, we get to watch them at 3 o'clock again. Should be probably one of the best games of the weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. You're going to have a ton of draft picks. I believe uh, the story was there's going to be like 20 teams, scouts, uh, in, at the game this weekend because of all the, uh, the first round and second round talent that are going to be in this game between LSU and Alabama. I think 20 plus players. So it's going to be ridiculous. Should be a really good game. I'm going to go ahead and take LSU to win the game. So guys, thank you so much. That will end the podcast right there. Just want to get a little bit of college talk in. I'll do some more as we're wrapping up the season here soon. Do some more rankings and, and getting really into it, especially with the playoffs coming up for, for college football as well. So if you guys have time, I'd really appreciate it. If you guys could rate and review the podcast, uh, you know, it really does help us out a lot and it means a lot to us as well. Even if it's a little bit of constructive feedback, uh, you know, we, we're always looking for ways to improve the show and keep the listeners coming back in and get new listeners in as well. So we really appreciate it. It does help us out a lot. I really appreciate the way, uh, a lot of people have kind of come forward here lately and, and done some rates and reviews, jumped us up to over 100. That's just been awesome. I, I cannot thank you guys enough. And we hope that you guys will continue to do that. And you guys hope to, uh, we hope that you guys continue to enjoy the show. We will be back on Monday with me and Matt as we break down the week 10 action again. Thank you guys so much for listening. It, it means the world to us. I hope you guys wish you all of the luck with your fantasy football matchups this weekend. Hope everybody has a good weekend and enjoys the NFL and college football action. Who can make a play? I can't. Who can make a play?